0: He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. There are a number of theories surrounding what caused Judas to ultimately betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And the one John posits to us this evening is worth our consideration as we continue Holy Week tonight. It's easy to pal on Judas, isn't it? He gets the short end of the stick in every depiction of the Last Supper, every sermon in which he is mentioned, and every time his name is invoked as a slur. But is he actually deserving of his impoverished reputation? The narrator of this gospel certainly thinks so. He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. The scene is intimate. Jesus is at his second home, that of his friends Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. Mary then pulled a pint of expensive perfume and begins anointing Jesus' feet with it. This prompts Judas to say, Why was this perfume not sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor? His question sounds honorable. Holy, even. We've all heard questions phrased like Judas's question, questions about the appropriate use of certain amounts of money. The questions themselves are not harmful, but the motive behind them can be. He said this not because he cared about the poor but because he was a thief. When Judas said the money for that expensive perfume could be used to relieve the poor, he was not saying it from a place of generosity or a sense that there is enough in God's economy, but from a place of scarcity and greed. One can sound like a philanthropist, while in all actuality, one is only concerned with lining one's own pockets. In her essay, Economy, Its Fragrance, offered as a panel discussion on the difference between poetry and prose 20 years ago poet Anne Carson delves into the literary and thus soulful nature of this vignette. She says this, Neither Judas' bag nor Mary of Bethany's gesture is economically interesting in itself, but the place where the distinction between poetry and prose cross, the moment when Judas cries out and ointment overflows, this moment is interesting. This moment emits fragrance for the house was filled with the odor of its ointment, end quote. For Carson, the contested perfume is a sensory cue to what is at stake in this scene. For her, it raises two existential questions. Is death wasted on God? Is life wasted on mortals? Is death wasted on God? Is life wasted on mortals? If we were posing this question to Jesus, his answer would be, leave her alone. (laughs) If Mary wants to use an expensive perfume to anoint my feet, leave her be. Let her use it. It's for my burial. For Jesus, Mary's excessiveness is a funeral gift, not a mismanagement of funds. It is her way of saying thank you to the God who brought her brother back to her, if even just momentarily. It is her way of being wasteful to the glory of God. And Jesus embraces her lavishness. It is a burst of beauty just six days before his, tra- his strategic journey to Jerusalem for his prophetic demonstrations during the Passover festival. Leave her alone, he says. From Jesus' vantage point, the pure nard is not a waste, it is worship. Anne Carson notes, and rightfully so, that this story has a poetic structure to it anchored by death on one end and resurrection on the other end and death on one end and resurrection on the other. It leads with mentioning Lazarus's death and subsequent risen life and ends with the swelling crowd that is in Bethany, not just to see Jesus, but to see Lazarus, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Yes, the narrator is a bit redundant, but it's worth repeating. And like I tell people all the time, if it's in the Bible more than once, we need to pay attention to it. Carson argues, and I agree with her, that the presence of expensive perfume in this story is a sign of the restraint and the excess of poetry. That poets can cut words without cutting language. That so much can be said in so little space. You've heard poems or songs or witnessed performances or heard a choral anthem like that, one in which the austerity of the piece is the piece itself. The medium is the message. That something glorious and beautiful and compelling cannot be contained by the limits of a column or a page. It overflows. And that is what upsets Judas. And people and communities like him. And we can all be Judas. He cannot imagine a world in which there is room for beauty. He can't imagine that there is enough space in life for the hungry to be fed, for the thirsty to be quenched, and Jesus' feet to be anointed with a year's wage and perfume. Judas can only think about himself. Carson goes on to say this. No matter how much frugality is spent on his burial. Christ will overflow the death that seems to contain, contain him after less than a weekend in the tomb. Is death wasted on God? Is life wasted on us? No. If anything... God, unlike Judas, is genuinely and generously frugal. God, in Christ, uses everything, things seen and unseen, to God's glory and to our enrichment. The God we worship and adore floods every nook and corner of the cosmos with love, a love that is stronger than death. A love that reunites brother and sister. A love that can reach deep inside Judas and find something redeemable there. A love that cannot be contained. It can be restrained, but not contained. A love that stretches our imaginations of what is and is not appropriate when it comes to perfume. Amen.